Hi, Christy, and welcome to the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. I'm so pleased to have you here with me today, although can't wait until we finally meet in person and get a proper hug in. Firstly today, if you could please briefly introduce yourself to our audience and then we'll get started. Absolutely. And I'm thrilled to be here. And yes, hopefully that hug will happen in June when I make my way over to London. But yes, thrilled to be here. My name is Christy Faltruso, as you've said, and I'm currently the Vice President of Customer Success at Client Success. We are a customer success management solution. So we help customers really manage their CS programs from what we say new to renew. So that entire lifecycle management. Been here for almost a year, which feels like I've been here for 10 years, but also 10 days, but just about a year and working with tons of lovely customers, really helping them hone in on their customer success programs. That's fantastic. And you're right. I mean, it feels like only yesterday that you announced that you were moving to client success. And yet it feels like you've been there for a very long time. It does. It's so crazy. (laughs) Well, and also even more weird, given that we have been in this pandemic and lockdown. And as we were saying before, we pressed the record button. Up until this week, there were a couple of your team members who you still hadn't met in person. So that's also another weird time flow that we're trying to get used to at the moment, isn't it? That's never been something I've ever experienced. In fact, even at client success this is the first company I've ever started remote yeah even because the company I was at before we had we had an office I was in the office for three months before we moved to remote this is the first fully remote onboarded experience and yeah it was so delightful to just meet my team folks that have been working so closely with me and and each other for the past year and just to come together it was like it was a magical it was a magical few days Oh, that's fantastic. And this always happens. I do have some talking points, but generally in the preamble, somebody will say something that I think, let's talk about that for a moment. And whilst this isn't strictly on the subject of, of the podcast necessarily, there are no boundaries. We can talk about whatever we like. It's nuanced and it's connected in a way. You talked there about the onboarding experience. I've never worked for an organization where on day one, you go into the office because you pick up your equipment, you meet your team, you go through the onboarding and the training, and that's historically has all been done physically in a location in an office so so how was that onboarding experience for you given that it was fully remote and the first time you'd experienced that you know it was I want to say it was weird but then again at that point we had already as a you know a world been remote for so long it almost just felt like organic to step into that environment fully remote um I was fortunate in the sense that I knew Dave Blake prior to joining the organization so at least the person I'd be reporting to our CEO was somebody I had a pre-existing relationship with and then let's be honest I mean at a certain level in your career when you go into an organization you're just going to hit the ground running right so I didn't need you know I don't need somebody like walk me through how to do my job and what my expectations are going to be in fact it's quite the other right I'm the one driving that so you know, outside of being able to like shake hands with everybody and, and meet and hug and exchange a few laughs and stories. Um, I'd say, you know, it, it didn't feel weird. It just, you know, kind of felt normal. So conversely there, you talked about you're the one that's driving that. What do you need? What support? So how do you think you're, or do you know how your team felt about having a fully remote leader come into their, into their life and into their world without being able to necessarily make that uh, in-person connection straight away do you know what how it felt for them yeah we talked extensively about this and and, you know obviously as a leader I've got to create a good experience and environment for my team coming in I'm probably more thoughtful about it than folks might be for someone coming in at my level Um, but for my team you know I was fortunate two of the two of the women on my team 
uh, are individuals I knew previously. Um, one of them had worked for me before. One of them I had mentored for about six years. So we had a really great established relationship. For the others, um, you know, we spent a lot of time just trying to build rapport virtually as best we could. So we would do a lot of, you know, one-on-ones, but they weren't formal with an agenda about their book of business and what the role was. And it was more just getting to know you. And I think over time, we were able to facilitate and build a good relationship that felt like we had been buddies and friends and, and coworkers and colleagues for much longer than we had been. It just took a lot of work and nurturing and I think a lot of focus um, because I understood that that was going to be a gap in their experience, right? You didn't have the water cooler talk. You know, you don't have the same ability to foster the same culture and collaboration. So we just tried to find moments, whether it was in grouped meetings or individual meetings or even facilitating that dynamic for them to all, you know, kind of interact and work together that way. Uh, we just have to be more thoughtful about it. You know, for the onboarding, that probably, you know, is a little bit more challenging because you can't sit side by side and like listen to somebody and ask questions and and kind of dig in and ramp actively. Um, it kind of feels like a passive ramp where you're having to schedule meetings and do the work to get the information that you need to be successful in the role. Now, I always say I cheated a little bit because I hired people that were professionals and established in this field already. So they required minimal handholding and guidance. They knew what to do. Um, and so it was just a matter of getting them acclimated on the product. And so we just made sure we were fostering the right discussions for them. You talked there about you made that active effort and focus in the early days in order to foster the relationships that didn't pre-exist. Is that still ongoing? We do still live in a world where we are a lot of remote, hybrid, flexible ways of working. How are you incorporating that into the, the daily rhythm and relationships internally and externally? I would say we're probably less focused on it as the team has now been working together for a while. Like we probably make less of a concerted effort to do activities or do certain things. We do a little bit here and there, but because we are, we're not a huge company and we all do work so closely together and I oversee success, support, and services between our team meetings. And I will say like even Slack, which I am not a super huge fan of noisy and distracting, but on Slack, whether they're just exchanging really kind messages and, and really empowering one another or celebrating their wins and helping when there's challenges, the team really comes together without any, any of my facilitation, even to the extent like, you know, we've got group texts going on and group slacks going on. And we all really do just enjoy each other so much that even outside of work, there's conversations and picture sharing and experiences and, you know, just really, it's become like a little family, but I think that that's organic because of how small we are and how closely we work together. You took me down the path that I was thinking about there, because to me, that's, that's my ideal culture and environment because of the sort of person I am. Obviously, I have a, a huge motivation that I think the foundational principles of customer success, if embedded across the entire company, which they should be because the entire company is responsible for customer success, not just one team or person, we would have much more positive cultures, we would have much more positive businesses, more successful businesses, and outwardly, we would have a much more kind world and social-minded uh, world. This culture that you're describing, idyllic for me, but it has to come from somewhere. And that's kind of the conversations that I've been having over the last few months on this podcast is where does that come from? And what, what are the little tips and tricks or what are the, the activities or the focus that you kind of bring into or that you 
leverage from the people around you because I think a great leader isn't necessarily the person who's responsible it's the person who coordinates and facilitates and empowers others so what do you think has helped create that organic as you said in environment it's, it has to come from somewhere I will say it probably and, and probably most definitely stems from our CEO Dave Blake who really does drive a human first environment he has a large family he talks very often about the things that he enjoys doing outside of work, right? Whether it's going skiing or riding his dirt bike or being with his kids and his wife, living life. And he always wants to wants for us to also have those same experiences, right? Talks a lot about we work to live, we don't live to work. And yeah. so really prioritizes us putting time where it matters. And that means with our family, with our friends, having and making experiences. So I think that top-down mindset allows us to all be very authentically ourselves, allows us to talk about what's important to us, right? Which isn't always work. It's sometimes it's our family or our children or our pets and, you know, the things that we're doing, the places that we're going. And so I think just because of the way he drives that culture from the top down, we're all organically having these dynamic conversations about the things that we do outside of work, which allows us to get to know one another quicker on a more personal basis. And then helps to facilitate and foster those real deep relationships a lot faster, right? Because when you deeply care about somebody or you're invested in learning or hearing about their lives outside of work, it just deepens that that connection a lot faster, right? Like everyone in my company will know my daughter's names, my husband's name, my dog's name. We all care about each other. That's a big thing. The other thing I will say in terms of the hiring profile, we hire people that work really hard. We don't have any people that are 90% here, right? Everyone is given 110% of themselves during the working hours. And I yeah. say that because it's not 110% doesn't mean I'm working 24 seven. That's not what we want for people. We want everyone to find their balance and create that. But the hours that we are working, everyone is giving and doing 110. And so there's nobody who's not contributing, right? There's not this in imbalance in performance and performers. Again, we're small. So at some point of scale, that, that doesn't always happen. But because everyone knows and trusts their partners and their peers, we all know we're doing the best we can. Everyone's super well-intentioned and everyone assumes the best of everybody, which again, helps facilitate a really strong culture of trust and partnership. That's really interesting. Again, this kind of culture is my ideal scenario, and it would be great if we could scale it and sustain it as we grow. I know you're not there yet, and you have mentioned a number of times that you're small right now, but what are the things that you might have thought about or would think about in the future that you would need to have in mind in order to sustain this as you grow? I think my big focus would be on making sure that as we scale, all the folks that step into leadership roles emulate that same mindset that our CEO had established early on. Because I do feel like to your point earlier, things are driven top down and we might not be the ones in the conversations or in even facilitating or orchestrating individual conversations with folks or, or activities, but we create a safe place, right? For people to want to be themselves and to talk about what's important and share stories and experiences. So I think if every leader is driving that same philosophy, I think we'll be able to at least 
maintain it for a bit longer. And you want to bring on people that are also like-minded in that sense, right? I, I, that doesn't mean avoid diversity, but like you want people that want a culture like this and where that's important to them and where they want to facilitate that extended kind of culture over time. I'm nodding away furiously here because I'm agreeing with <laughs> and, and you know and this is a sort of you know world I want to live in what I'm hearing there is you're talking about making sure that as people grow and develop within the organization they maintain the awareness of that mindset and that philosophy that Dave Blake has um, instilled and embedded in the organization so far leading by example which Dave clearly is and I've had conversations with a lot of people over the last few months notably Dan Steinman and Nick Mater who have talked talked about your words and actions are really important people are paying attention to you even when you don't realize it's very important that you're careful with what you say and what you do because you're always being watched and you're always being listened to and people will make assumptions about what you want it's great that Dave is leading by example and that as people grow and develop within the organization they take that forward too you also said there about hiring people in and that culture. I think you can have aligned values and still have diverse people within your organization, which is what you need. I think it was Tom Goodman I was talking to and his organization, they have a values-based interview as part of their hiring process. They're looking for a value add rather than a value fit because that allows the diverse perspectives to come through and to be celebrated and, and embraced within an organization. So your leadership style, where do you think that has come from? How has it have evolved and developed over time? So I laugh because I do think a lot of the leader that I am today is driven by having not strong or not great leaders in the past and almost trying to do the exact opposite of what I've experienced. Um, and I, <laughs> I always say, listen, pay attention, right? Because you'll learn just as much from great leaders as you will from not great leaders. So I know that sounds so silly, but I've developed a servant leadership style because I've never had a servant leader. I have never had anybody who's deeply cared about me, my success, helping me, fostering me, growing me, developing me, caring about me until Dave, I will say, Dave has, Dave has been my exception. But prior to that, not a one. Um, it's been more like tough love, but I almost felt like militant culture of like shaming, right? All the things you're not doing well, constant reminders of that in hopes that it would just motivate you to do better. And that's not how I'm motivated. I'm a words of affirmation person. I need head pats. Tell me I'm doing a good job and I'll work my tail off for you. So my leadership style stems from all of the moments of tears and heartache and frustration and self-doubt and failure that I have felt in the past 20 years of my career. (laughs) So uh, clearly nobody could see my response to that, but I had a very strong reaction when Christy started talking about that. I changed the way I asked that question because previously I have said to people, what are some examples of some great leadership you've experienced? Or perhaps what sort of things have you seen leaders do that you truly do not want to do? Because I feel like that. There's a lot of stuff that I have learned over the years from experiencing and observing environments that I absolutely do not want to be a part of, that I have found toxic to be a part of, that has been really painful to be a part of. But unfortunately, because that is such a sustained experience, you say for the first 20 years of your career that you never saw a leader who cared about their people. And I think I've had the odd one or two leader over the years who I thought, oh, you're quite good, but you feel like 
that's the only way in order to get on you have to be this macho militant um shaming the words you're using resonating so much and bringing back horrible experiences shaming i can remember being in an organization that said we do not have a blame culture the fact that you're stating that means you do have a blame culture people won't put their hands up because they're terrified of the onslaught that's coming their way and also the impact that it's going to have on their future progression that non-shaming the safe space although safe space is also a bit of a trigger. I worked for an organisation where one of the leaders was always claiming that he provided a safe space for his yeah. um, for his team, and that was absolutely not the case. Again, just by stating it's a safe space doesn't make it a safe I, space. I think it's less about the words and it's more about the, the way you make people feel and the environment, and like truly the environment. So don't talk about it, just be about it. Um, and my team tells me all the time, like, I mean, I, they also know that I'm a words of affirmation person. So my team gives me what I need to feel fulfilled, but I also give back. And they tell me all the time, this is the best culture that they've ever worked in. This is the first place where they feel safe and heard and supported. And I spend a lot of time with them on where do they see themselves going in the future, whether it's here or anywhere. Right. I always talk about, I, I'm invested in you as a person, a professional, and I'm also a realist, right? I know that your career won't end here. Most of my staff is like, you know, 30s, 40s, like this isn't the end for us. Um, but, and so we talk very openly and honestly about that. And, you know, my, my job is to try to create an environment of growth for them where they will stay for as long as we can, but it's safe and they're happy and they feel challenged, but empowered and supported. And they know, I listen, they make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes all the time. I don't shame them. What did we learn from this? What can we avoid? And we make sure that we talk about it as a group so nobody else makes the same mistakes if it can be avoided. And it's all about learning and growing and, and developing one another. And I learned from them as much as they probably learned from me. So I don't know, that's, I, I always say, I tell my team, I'm like, you report to me and like, that's an HR thing, but we're partners, Yeah. right? Like we're, we're, we're all trying to drive towards the same goal we just have different titles, right? To orchestrate different responsibilities and different work in our day-to-day. -day. But like, I'm not better than anybody else on my team. They're not better than me. We're all just, we're here doing the jobs we were hired to do. One of the notes I made was one of your LinkedIn posts from a, a while ago now is a true leader never stops leading. That kind of came back into my head then when you were talking about that, you provide an environment of growth for them, whether that's within your team, within your organization or beyond, because we do move on, we do develop, we, we have other avenues and paths to tread. Having an environment where you can learn and grow. I think true leaders are the people who get a great team around them and trust them and empower them to do the things they're good at. Nobody is good at everything. A good leader who's been put into a leadership role is about leading the team rather than knowing all of the, the stuff that, that the organization needs to know. We've talked about the, the concepts and the feelings that are appreciated by you and your team and the two-way relationship there. Do, do you have any practical examples of how that happens? I think, Christy, this is true of you. Some people are just very naturally gifted in this way, that they build relationships and they have a very nurturing and supportive style. But for somebody else who wanted to really understand how this happens, what are some of the practical things that people could be thinking about and applying in, in their own teams? Sure, boy. I do think a little bit of this comes just from who I am as a person, but there are still things that I put in practice. Every day I work at leading this team. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part of my job is the people leadership aspect of it. 
But one thing that I've done in every organization, um, whether I'm coming in and in inheriting a team, or even as I hire new individuals to join, we do this interview. And as part of this, it's, it's an opportunity for me to learn about them and what they need and what their expectations are. Things like, how do they like to receive praise? How do they like to receive feedback? You know, how are they motivated? How do they want to work on their career path with me? What do they need from me as a leader? Um, you know, we, we talk about all these things and I ask all these questions early on and I take a lot of notes and I make sure that as I'm engaging early, um, I use that to guide my style for them as individuals. Because I think the biggest thing you could take away from leadership is that no two people, just like no two customers, are the same. And no two people are going to want to have the same experience or need the same things, right? Everyone's a little bit different. So I know that some, for some of my team, they're money motivated. I know for others, like they are words of affirmation and they, they want to grow and they want to learn. They want to own things. So it's really important to, I think, just establish some understanding of each of your employees. And I know at scale, it becomes a little tricky, but even if you learn three things about each of them, about the way that they need to work with you and just leave those with them, right? Help make sure that what they need is part of their daily experience, right? That you're giving them that on an ongoing basis. So that really, those interviews and that, that conversation has always helped me get off on the right foot with everybody. Everyone always feels from day one that I genuinely care because I do. It's also not lip service for me. And then it allows me to practice what I preach every day for them. So that was one really great takeaway is I started doing that probably about four three or four jobs ago as a leader, like as I come in, started with that. And it really transformed how I ramped as a leader for them, but then also in building those relationships. And then something else I do is our one-on-one -on -one meetings, which are part of our regular, we meet weekly. So anybody who reports directly with me has a weekly meeting. I try to never move or modify it, try to never cancel it. And it, you know, I try to hold it sacred for them. Uh, and the thing that I do that I think I do well with the one-on-one -on -one meetings is I allow them to drive the agenda. The one-on-one -on -one meetings aren't for me to have them regurgitate metrics and give me things I can clearly see in our client success platform or our CRM. It's their time, right? Do they need me to help them navigate some tricky situations? Are they feeling down and just want to vent? Do they want to spend some time talking about their career path? Are they frustrated? Are they happy? Um, you know, I really empower them to drive how they want to use the time with me because it is their time. And I don't want to take that from them. So I think establishing the one-on-ones where they understand that I'm at their disposal and I'm here to work for them makes them feel they are a priority, right? That they are important as people, as employees, um, that they're heard and supported the way that they need to be. And listen, sometimes they're like, hey, Christy, can we cut our meeting short today? Because what I really need is 30 minutes back in my day to go get some things done. That's okay too. It's about creating a, an environment of flexibility to give them what they need when they need it. Again, nodding vociferously right now, just like all over the place. This might not make any sense to anyone who's not British, but we have an insurance company over here called Churchill Insurance. It's a nodding dog. Uh, <laughs> I'm nodding away like Churchill. <laughs> And, and actually, you're reminding me of things that I, I do with customers as well as your team, that contracting, you can call it all sorts of things, but it is about understanding what can you do in order to get the best out of them and vice versa. And that's so powerful. And I do that with all my customers as well. Upfront, let's talk about what our plan for success is. 
effectively, you know, it's the, the same sorts of things that we do in customer success that um, I do with the team as well. That I love the fact that you say that you want them to understand that you work for them so that you can help support and facilitate them being the most powerful and successful Absolutely. people, right? Because that's got to be best for the business. And also just a little thought, because you said, how does that work at scale? Presumably you would have fewer direct reports and it would cascade down. <laughs> Yes, the team. So again, a bit like you were saying earlier, where getting that culture, that human first culture, that authentic culture persisting as you scale is by making sure that leaders as they come up through the business are aligned to that philosophy. The same goes with these approaches and this human way of leading through teams. Can I come and work with you, please? <laughs> I would actually love that. <laughs> I love all of this. And I've written down so many things, environment of growth, being challenged, but supported, learning and growing. I just love it all. And it comes through in uh, all of your posts on LinkedIn. It comes through on all the comments that people put on, you know, your posts, but also where conversations spring up on LinkedIn. It's no surprise that this is the sort of philosophy that you have in your team and your environment, Christy. The other thing that I'd, I picked up on in one of your LinkedIn posts is that you put up a quotation of yourself saying, I am in the people business. And that strongly resonates with me. I feel like it's an overused phrase. I'm a people person, but I am a people person. When you put that on LinkedIn, or even now as we're talking about it, what does that bring up for you? Could you expand on that a bit for me? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, everything we do stems from the relationships we build and it doesn't matter what role you're in or what part of the business, you don't have to be in customer success for this to resonate, right? You could be in sales, you could be in finance, you could be in product engineering, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, we're all working with people and for people like that is our reality. And so for me, if you just keep a very people minded focus on everything you do, it will translate into the business results you want to see, right? People buy from people. That is not my phrase. That is a, a very commonly said and adopted and hopefully believed statement because it's true, right? My customers, the strongest customers that we have, our biggest advocates might not be the customers who are the most creative with our solution or use the product best or most. They're the ones that really partner with us where we have really truly deep rooted relationships. I think with some of my customers and we do like monthly strategy calls, they have nothing to do with client success. It's me leaning in to help them with their jobs. They're like, Christy, oh, I'm working on comp plans and I can't figure out like what's the best model or how to do this. We've got all these different segments. I'm not, I'm having conversations with them about that. That has nothing to do with client success. I'm helping them because I genuinely care about their success in their role. And guess yeah. what? That translates. They stay with us. They grow with us because we're doing good work for real people. And that's what I believe, right? Same thing with my team. I am in the people business. I'm here to make sure that my people are happy and successful and supported and growing all the time. And if I do that, they're happy. They're thriving in their roles. That translates to how they're supporting their customers. And that impacts our business because that's how we're going to scale, right? I can't have monthly conversations with all of my customers, but they can, and that's their job. And so if they're feeling good, if they're feeling supported and celebrated and they're, that's going to translate, right? So 
being in the people business is how you drive a business. That's going to be tagline for this episode. <laughs> um, but you're right. It's it's not something that you invented or I invented. I say it a lot as well. Organizations don't buy stuff. People buy stuff. Customers are people. They are made up of people. They're made up of relationships. And it's not a new realization. It's been going for decades. And yet we, we have managed to be swayed into or be driven into or stumbled into this environment where there are a lot of businesses out there that aren't customer focused and that they they have to be persuaded that being customer focused or having a customer success philosophy whether that's a separate team or not is neither here nor there but a customer success philosophy is wasted energy and wasted money that's one of the things that i just do not understand you might not have any thoughts on it because you're you're really thinking about the positive aspects of being in the people business but any ideas why people don't think it's a business imperative to look after people whether that's in your team or within your customers all right just like i feel like my leadership style was a learned behavior where i took my experiences and decided to flip it on its head i do think that for folks that are behaving differently as leaders, as companies, as, as executives also might be learned behavior, right? Like it's a little monkey see monkey do. If they have yeah, yeah. seen companies or they've been part of companies that have had a, a let's say a, a KPI or revenue or outcomes focused business that isn't people focused, right? They're just focused on the output. Then that's what they see. And that's worked for them. They're not changing that style. They don't feel that there's a real need to make a shift. And sometimes they just can't get out of their own way. I'm so far from that mentality that I can't really put myself in the shoes of somebody who doesn't understand that if you serve people, you will be better. Your business will be better. You'll be happier. I mean, I can't even imagine somebody who just doesn't care about their success, about people's success. But I, I just, I, it's so far into me, Kelly. Like I can't even, I can't even get there. So I'm just going to say maybe it's learned behavior. Monkey see, monkey do. It's worked. Just keep on, keep on. They don't know anything different. And maybe that's why it is the way it is. You know, that works for me, actually. I'm going to and yes you here as one of my clients says, <laughs> because I feel the same. It, it is just so incomprehensible to me. Yep. There are people out there who say you just need to push your employees, then numbers, not names, and they've got to work 110% means 24-7, yep. not work hard, play hard. It's just work hard. They don't treat customers as people. They treat customers as as things, as organizations. And it's so incomprehensible to me that I've never been able to come up with an explanation for it. But I think you're right. It's learned behavior. Someone somewhere made huge amount of profit and probably in a short amount of space. And therefore that became the new blueprint. So everyone went down that road and unlearning behavior is really hard unless you're really determined to do it and unless you're really passionate about something else. I mean, listen, I'm sure somebody will crack the nut and we'll, we'll figure out that it's, it, there is some reason. Like I said, I, I agree with you, right? It had to have been successful at some point for people to feel like it's still okay to drive a business that way. But I don't know. I also believe that life is too short and I can't be unhappy. And that is not a culture that would make me happy or feel good about the work that I'm doing or about how I'm leading. So for me, the happiness factor balances my life. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to live our lives. Yeah. And I agree with that. The other thing that I have to remember is I am just one person, but my big hairy goal is, and again, one of my clients would say is I would love all businesses to have that balance, to have that, that people centricity, whether that's your internal teams or your customers, but being people led, I think intrinsically would make you just massively more successful 
all of the people connected with it, whether that's your customers or your teams internally, would be happy and motivated as well. Again, that has to power bigger success, right? <clears throat> so I would like to see that embraced by all organizations, and which makes me think I need to understand why they don't get it in order to kind of yeah. help them change that mindset. One thing I think we should unpack here, though, because I want to be specific about this, is that you can be people first and still make hard decisions and oh, still yeah. run a business very effectively, right? This yeah. isn't to mean that like I'm a doormat and everyone gets away with whatever they want to and like, oh, we're you know just here to drive happiness. That no, 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 we're here running a business, which also means, but it's it's this empowered accountability yeah. that we create, right? We want you to be successful. We're going to give you all the things to be successful. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work, right? And so this is where this empowered accountability comes in. And same thing with our customers. Listen, I, I, I want them to be wildly successful. That does not mean, though, that I'm in the business of letting them out of contracts early and like commoditizing our pricing. You don't get it for free. I'm not doing the work for you. No, like we are in a commercial relationship. That doesn't mean I don't deeply care about your success. Like truly, and as a person, I've built many real, like real, real life relationships and friendships with folks who were my customers where we had really tough business discussions and like, you know, things don't always end the way you want them to end, but that doesn't mean I didn't care. And that doesn't mean that we didn't treat each other with mutual respect. That doesn't mean that we weren't thinking about this from a relationship standpoint, but you can still run a business and still be people-minded. Absolutely. And you took that exactly down the route I was going to say is because that's exactly the way you work with your customers. Right from the very beginning of being involved in customer success, I can remember people saying customer success is not about customer happiness. And I'm like, well, they're not mutually exclusive. I think yeah. <laughs> having customer success and customer happiness, you know, mm -hmm. a customer that is successful and happy is a great outcome from customer success. And that the success comes from partnering with them, as you say, and having the tough conversations, resolving challenges when they come up, challenging them when they might want to do something that actually isn't going to be the best thing for them. Uh, and that's how you build that extra layer of trust and, and responsibility and partnership anyway. So I, I absolutely agree. If you do it with the values that are motivating and fulfilling everyone, that's got to be the perfect storm of, of doing good business. And again, I've been scribbling down lots of words that I love hearing you say. I think probably I haven't been keeping an eye on time like I would normally. I'm just so carried away with what we're talking about. But I think I'm probably going to have to let you go there, I'm afraid, Christy. Thank you so much for this. I do feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours about all this sort of stuff. And I hope that we get to catch up soon and that we get you back on the podcast in the future. Also hope that you do manage to come over to London in June and that we get that hug in. Uh, but in the meantime, if people want to get in touch with you or have conversations with you, how can people get in touch with you? I know you used to have a website. Do you still keep that going? I do. I do. So uh, two best places, probably the, the fastest, easiest way to get me is on LinkedIn, where yeah. you can find me just by going to Chrissy Falteruso. Um, and you can find me there. And I try to be really prompt about responding to messages and outreach. And obviously would love everyone to connect and follow. Um, the other place you can find me is on my website, which is Keeping CS Simple, which is just my personal branded website about the simplification of CS. I like to share best practices and templates and some information, um, some resources for the community. But on my website, there is a contact me section. Um, you can head over there. 
drop me a note, drop me a form, follow the content. But those two places, you'll get really quick, easy access to me at any time. Thank you so much. And just generally, thank you so much for everything that you do for the customer success community. And also, I have noticed just business community at large now you're posting a lot about leadership and culture and professional personal development it's always a joy to see your name crop up on linkedin thank you so much for everything you do and thank you for coming on the podcast today oh thank you this was great fun i agree we we probably could have done this for hours (laughs) (laughs) so we'll need to make sure that we book in some more time in the future and definitely go out for a drink when we're both in the same country Thank you for a great conversation, Christy, and many thanks to those to you listening at the other end. Watch out for the next episode next week of the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. Bye for now.